And welcome back to Traditions. I'm Ron Alesco. And now we have a, a very special guest. Um, she's going to be in, in our area this week on, on Tuesday night. Uh, that's May the 30th. She'll be at Rockwood Music Hall in New York City, a 10 p.m. show there. And then on Wednesday, she'll be at Jalopy Theater in Brooklyn, the epicenter of the, the folk music revival here in New York these days. Um, but she's going to be there as part of Roots and Ruckus. And she has a brand new album, uh, her debut album, I understand, that's coming out on June 16th. It's called Sisters of Whitechapel. And it's stories of women in the 19th century in the uh, Klondike Gold Rush era in Alaska. And today she's coming to us from Alaska, uh, from Juneau, Alaska, I believe. Uh, Annie Bartholomew. Annie, welcome. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Ron. Oh, thanks for being here. I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see you You're coming into New York City. Is this you're going to be your first time performing in our area? Yeah, it will be my first time performing in New uh -huh. York. If I think about it too much, I think I'll get real anxious because uh -huh. it's such a monumental kind of place to come bring well. your banjo or guitar. So. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad you're doing this because you, you, this project that you're working on, uh, I think is something that everyone, especially those of us here in New York, because I think everybody back East has a certain image of Alaska, maybe from TV shows like Northern Exposure or movies and such, but you really dealt into the history. And I think part of that is because of your background. In addition to being a musician, you've been a journalist, a radio producer, and you put this album together, Sisters of Whitechapel, which is also a, uh, a play, I understand. Could you tell us a little bit about the origins of this and, and, and explain to our audience exactly what it is? Yeah, I grew up here in Juneau and was surrounded by this gold rush lore and history. And as a songwriter, I got to go visit Dawson City in Yukon Territory and play a show there, which is kind of where this gold rush ended in Canada. And then the places where it started was in Southeast Alaska. People would get to Alaska a variety of ways, but one of the ways was through Lynn Canal, where it stops in Juneau and then goes on to Skagway. So I played a show in Skagway in Dawson City one summer. In Skagway, there's this historic brothel museum, which is now a restaurant and kind of pub. And they do a guided tour of where the brothel was upstairs and was just kind of haunted by these stories. And then I got curious and started reading books and just went, oh my gosh, this history is even crazier than I imagined. And just thought songwriting could be the perfect vehicle to tell these stories and share an emotional truth, especially to an audience that isn't going to crack open a book or think about it. Um, and it was a really interesting way to share more about this history and kind of disrupt some of the narratives that we have about sex work or about women during that area. Of course, these were not the women we studied in elementary school when we went to Skagway. Um, but it's just been a real wild time trying to translate and put these stories to music. Yeah, I mean, these stories, uh, it, it's just such a such a moving album and such an eye-opener. And I think that's one of the great things about music because, uh, like you said before, about a lot of people won't crack open a book, but when they hear a song, it's kind of piques their interest. And I think you're going to have a lot more people looking into the, to these stories as well. Um, why don't we introduce it to our audience? In fact, let's let's start with the, the song that uh, leads off the album, uh, Whitechapel Women, uh, uh, Woman. Uh, and now, 
there are nine songs on this album. Uh, I know one of them is a traditional song, but the others, were they all written or co-written by you? Uh, they were all written by me. One's kind of an exception to that, and it's all for the Klondike Schools, where I took archival material and set it to kind of a traditional tune that I came up with. But the song White Chapel Woman was inspired by a newspaper article in the Klondike Nugget about a woman who loses her provisions on her way to Dawson City and is essentially rescued by the town Madame. Um, so it was a really compelling story. I just thought, let's put it to music and see what happens. And this is her story. Her name was Millie Lane, or that's what they called her in the papers. Uh, the Klondike Gold Rush was kind of fueled by yellow journalism and brash sensationalism. You know, they wanted to sell papers, so they told these outrageous stories. But I think within these stories, there's elements of truth. In 98, we were Yukon bound, 30 miles, she run aground. Dawson City, no work to be found, only trouble and gold by the pound. I'm gonna lie, gonna cheat, gonna steal, I'm gonna fake all the things I can't feel. When I meet my savior, honey, I will kneel And work this room till I get a better deal And work this room till I get a better deal Watch every woman, dance all girl I'll be your sweetheart if you give me a word But ain't no man gonna buy off Life is a wife to misery For life is a wife to misery I was bathed, I was baptized Silken lace, be my disguise I will suffer, I will rise I'm gonna run, gonna float, gonna fly I'm gonna swallow all the tears that I cry And if you see me on the bayou Call me by my name, lest I'll die Don't you call me by my name, lest I'll die Watch every woman, this old girl I'll be your sweetheart if you give me a word But ain't no man gonna buy off me For life is a wife Life is a wife to misery
White Chapel Woman. That is a cut from the new album, Sisters of White Chapel, by Annie Bartholomew. And Annie is our guest today, with uh, coming to us from Juneau, Alaska. And um, it, what, for those of us who aren't geographically aware, what, exactly what is White Chapel? It's, it's in the Yukon, I believe? So this is what I learned during the project. Uh, White Chapel was just one name for Dawson City's red light district. Um, like White Chapel in London. Um, it's kind of like referring to something as Skid Row. Like the real Skid Row was in Seattle, but we think of it as being in California. So White Chapel was just one name for where these women hung out. Um, and the reason I discovered it was because it was on this historic postcard of, uh, they said White Chapel at midnight and it was all these tiny cabins where women would, you know, perform acts for money. Um, that was just real interesting to me. The, yeah, and again, this is part of, a, I guess, the image that the media has given to us of, uh, you know, what it was like in the Yukon. And, you know, we always see women or, or um, uh, dance hall girls, but, you know, we really don't get into the specifics of what, what they were actually forced to do. And, you know, there's one song on there about the, the woman losing all of her provisions and being forced into this. What I, I guess it's hard to relate here in 2023. I mean, I know Alaska is still pretty much of a rough country, but did you learn anything about yourself or about others and 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 how you got how we all got to where we are based on this kind of history? One of the most interesting things was talking to historians is that I think if we could shine a light on all of our families' histories we would see how complicated they were and how our ancestors were probably involved in sex work, either as practitioners or clients. Um, I learned that my grandfather uh, worked for board in a house of ill fame in Louisiana when he was a kid. And that was a survival mood for him. Um, But I just think even though, you know, I'm not a sex worker, um there's strength and courage we can get from these stories um for a lot of these women it was a choice there were very few options at the time because the cost of living was so high um you could either you know quickly get married to someone and then work for free um Mm. or be like a house somebody's domestic worker but they'd still have access to your body or you could choose to do it yourself as you know your own boss or yeah. go work in a house, but there were all kinds of layers to what they called the demimonde or underworld. So you had actresses who were considered morally compromised. You had madams, you had gals who just were dance hall girls where they exchanged dances for um, money. Um, but you had to be a hustler. You had to do it every night. And sometimes that was a front to finding clients or just boyfriends. So I think we have to look through this history through the lens of, you know, I think a lot of, I think if you were engaged in the entertainment industry at all, 
you were kind of considered a fallen woman. And because of that, a lot of people change their names. They can someday go back to the United States and maybe open a roadhouse um, or just lead a normal life because you were kind of considered untouchable if you did these things. But there were some women who preferred this work and a lot of them who would just do it for a season and kind of bankroll their next adventure or they were supporting a family member who was sick. So there were all kinds of reasons. And these women lived complicated lives. And, you know, it was just an occupation. It wasn't an identity. When you were doing the research for this, were you finding the histories of, of, of the women actually telling their own stories? Or were you reading newspaper reports from others talking about it? I'm just wondering how much these women really wanted to discuss and, and reveal what they had to do to survive. There are very few written perspectives from women who engaged in this work. There's a really great autobiography called Madeline um, that Leo Morgan, who's an Alaskan historian, sent me, which really informed a lot of my ideas about sex work, especially Victorian sex workers, um, and especially the play. But very few women, of course, wrote down their transgressions because they wanted to return to society and lead normal lives someday. So a lot of it was informed by newspaper articles um, and then conversations with historians and, you know, just a variety of places. Mm -hmm. it, it's, um, it's amazing that you're able to, to, col to collect what you have to create this. Um, th th there's a a song I'd like to share now called Spoils, um, which I think talks a little bit about, uh, talks a lot about um, some of the reasons why they, they did what they did. Um, could you introduce this song for us? Uh, this song is called Spoils. Um, I wanted to show that the gold rush wasn't just good timing, but there were also environmental costs and exploitation of people, exploitation of the earth. We still live in this economic system that drives people to turn to this work um, and other things to get by. And so this is kind of, this song is my message about what's left over and what's given up. Spoils 
scarlet dame condemned to shame lived my life like another card game paying the price for a life of vice spoils roll the dice spoils for the taken money And that was Spoils, a song from Sisters of Whitechapel uh, by Annie Bartholomew. Annie is with us today from her home in Juneau, Alaska. She'll be appearing this week in New York City on uh, Tuesday night. She is going to be at Rockwood Music Hall. It's a 10 p.m. show. That's Tuesday, May 30th. And then on Wednesday, she'll be at the Jalopy Theater in Brooklyn uh, as part of their Roots and Ruckus series, a wonderful event that takes place every Wednesday night at, uh, at Jalopy. Um, and Annie, you you also have created a a play based on this. This album that's coming out on June sixteenth, Sisters of Whitechapel, is uh, I guess sort of a soundtrack. I guess you could call it uh, to the play. Tell us how the play evolved. During the pandemic, there was a new theater group called Theater Alaska here in town that opened a year long storytelling workshop um, for Alaskan artists to give folks something to do during the pandemic. And I kind of always imagined adapting into a stage show. Willie Carlisle's a friend and he had written a lot of plays and performed them on the fringe circuit. So I got to work. So I kind of modeled some of my ideas off of that. And through Theater Alaska, I was paired with Heidi Handelsman, who's a director in San Diego. And we worked with some actors from Yale Trinity Rep who helped read through some of these historical documents and bring them to life. And we did a reading a couple summers ago and then staged the whole thing last summer, which is insane. I didn't understand how hard theater is. I thought it was just magic. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in a town with a really nice regional theater. So, you know, I had no idea how much actors improvise and can just go out on stage and do anything. I thought musicians were really nimble on our feet, but to watch actors and directors and stage managers and costumers and set designers was just outrageous. Our set designer and costume designer, Deb O, is actually a New Yorker. and She just brought this level of class to the costumes. I'm always so afraid sometimes when I work with people that they'll do 
the Disneyland version <laughs> of sex work, not the Deadwood version. Right. Um, which I think is a lot closer to reality. But she put us in like full garments. So you wouldn't know that we were playing sex workers because we looked just like Victorian women. And I feel like if you look at some of the tourism of Alaska, you know, you're getting this women in corsets and things that, you know, you would never walk down the street you wearing that. So it was very cool to collaborate with some real live theater people to bring it to life. And I learned so much about it and we're hoping to tour it within Alaska next fall and then hopefully do a tour of mining towns in the lower 48 the coming year. That'd be wonderful. I, I know you uh, uh, did a portion of it at the uh, Folk Alliance uh, International Conference this past past year. So hopefully, uh, more folks will take a look at it and uh, and bring it to the bring it to the states because it's something I would love to see. Um, now I understand also you you're a musician. You you've been playing music, and, um, but not exactly this type of music for a while. You didn't learn the banjo, from what I understand, until the pandemic. Is that true? I did most of my woodshedding during the pandemic. Um, my mom sent me to bluegrass camp, not knowing what bluegrass was when I was 10 or 11. Uh. And I, I cried because I, I just didn't feel like I belonged. Um, but I learned to play guitar in that traditional boom chuck kind of rhythm, which um, as a college student and teenager, I kind of applied to bar bands and things like that and playing, you know, stuff in that traditional pocket to audiences kind of around Alaska, but I didn't pick up banjo until 2018. I did a workshop with Kaya Cater at Miles of Music Camp in New Hampshire. So I got to learn from her. Nora Brown's mom was also one of the students in the class, which was very cool. Um, and then I got to do some woodshedding in Yukon when I did a residency there, and then really got into it big during the pandemic. Um, took some classes from Evie Layden online because during the pandemic, people were offering them online. Right. And then every week I meet with Riley Boggess now on Zoom and get to learn from him. So the pandemic's been really awful, but also really helpful for opening up some of these tradition bearers to sharing their art with folks like me who could never learn how to flat foot from Carla Gover or learn ballad singing and i'm not calling myself a ballad singer or anything like that but it, it's just been really impactful for artists and rural communities sure well you've done a spectacular job i mean you're playing banjo on this album uh sisters of Whitechapel, and uh, i i just think it's it's incredible album um I want to play another cut now. Now, this is kind of a more traditional song, but yet you've um, revised it a bit to fit, the, I guess, the theme of, of the of the album. Uh, it's it's called The Cuckoo, which I'm sure everybody knows. The old English ballad came over to the U.S. and there's so many different versions of it. Um, it, it kind of also gives an example of, uh, I guess, Alaskan string band music, which is something that... Um, you know, it's a lot different from the string bands that I think people here in the U.S. normally think of from the South. Uh, it's kind of evolved its own tradition there. Yeah, when I was first working on the record, I thought that this would all kind of be like a revisionist, fantastical Appalachian music set in Alaska, but also learned that Alaska's had its own string band traditions because of the many gold rushes. There were fiddlers who came from all over and brought their fiddling styles. Um, they were performing Kentucky running sets, um, which is a style of square dance in the interior, which has been documented. Like there were 
plenty of banjo gals who came during the gold rush up to Alaska and the Canada. Um, but this song, The Cuckoo, you know, it is an old English ballad and a lot of folks have put their spin on it. And I just thought, why not let Alaska have its regional take on this one? Um, I love the song and really wanted to tell it from a woman's perspective, from someone working in that industry's perspective. And I got to work with only Alaska artists because it was the pandemic. We were worried about bringing the virus into the small town we planned to record to. So we ended up recording it in this cabin out the road with no cell reception, which was just perfect. And it's got a great mandolin solo from Andrew Heist, who's the president of the Alaska Folk Festival right now. And yeah, it's just one of my favorite songs and what an honor to get to play it with musicians I love. from the new album Sisters of Whitechapel by Annie Bartholomew. It's an album that'll be released on June the 16th. 
And Annie will be in New York City at uh, Rockwood Music Hall this Tuesday night at 10 p.m. And at Jalopy Theater in Brooklyn on Wednesday as part of uh, their wonderful Roots and Ruckus series. And uh, I understand it's your first time in New York City. So uh, we're looking forward to having you here. And hopefully it won't be the last. Hopefully we'll see, uh, see a lot more because, you you know, this this project is something that you've obviously spent a lot of time working on and, and creating. Uh, but you've been, music has been part of your life for, for quite a while now. And you've done so much. I, we mentioned earlier, you're a journalist. Uh, you were a radio producer. Uh, you you also are a great photographer. I saw some photos on your website where you've taken pictures of the, some of the rowdy bar scenes uh, that still exist in, in Alaska these days. Um, let's talk a little bit about your music, though. You mentioned you went to bluegrass camp early. Were you always writing in, in this kind of style or did you do other sorts of songs? No, I was really obsessed with the blues and a lot of blues rock music. Uh, for a long time. And it really all culminated when I transferred to the University of Alaska Fairbanks um, from college. And there's just a crazy, crazy music scene, especially in these cabins, you know, there isn't a lot of entertainment, there isn't a lot of daytime. There's crazy extreme temperatures, like negative 40 was pretty normal. So you have a scene of people who just goes to one venue or one cabin and hangs out all night. And there's truly this belief that if we don't make the art, we won't have art. So you're constantly finding ways to get people on stage and performing, even if it's not perfect yet. And one of the projects that came out of that was Annie Be Good, my stage name at the time, which (laughs) one of the reasons was I didn't want to get my serious journalist bylines confused with my bar band and drinking career. Um, (laughs) So I practiced under that name for a long time and um, got to see a lot of cool places in Alaska, just playing music all night with my friends. Some of the venues would expect you to play from like nine until three or four in the morning. So we had one long set and we do it three times and we might have three drummers that night and it might sound like whatever that drummer felt like and but it was just a really cool scene of people really pulling this stuff out of thin air and it was a great place to cut my teeth and learn how to perform well well, you've you've done a great job of it so far and uh, i I know it's probably early because you know this album is not even officially out yet but what are you thinking about for the future are you going to continue in this vein do you have other ideas any other projects cropping up Uh, I've been really obsessed with Jean Ritchie lately um, from Viper, Kentucky, and a lot of her ballads and a lot of the cuts you hear from her, you know, are so sweet, but there are some really dark, dark ballads out there. So I really want to see where that takes me and bring some more of these traditions to Alaska. So definitely lean in heavier into traditional music, as they say. (laughs) Um, But there's just so much repertoire out there. I recently got a hold of a fiddle from my great, 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 great uncle that was under my grandma's bed in the Pacific Northwest. That's like 100 years old. So I'm trying to learn more about the history of that and learn how to play it. I don't have any expectations. I'll be a good fiddler, but just the practice of playing on an instrument of someone before you is so interesting. And these traditions were done by working people and i just want to be part of that legacy 
for the moment be the person who plays the banjo right now sure. bob banghart who's a fiddle and museum man here in alaska repaired it for me and he's like this is your duty now you have to play it so yeah. gonna try and live up to that or drive my friends crazy in the process <laughs> well you're creating great art while you're doing that and speaking of creating great art you were part of a project which i just found fascinating when i was reading your biography you were the curator of the alaska hold music project now anyone who's ever called a government agency and been put on hold on a telephone you know what it's like and uh you did something very different there how did that come to be Jonathan Christ Tompkins was a legislator in Alaska who had a lot of really great ideas and he just thought Alaska needs hold music from Alaskans. And so he approached me about being the curator. I was running KXLL, a public radio music member station. So we just thought, why not Annie? And I said, this is crazy. Let's do it. So <laughs> um, it was a big process to try and find Alaskans whose music was polished enough uh to be the hold music for the state of alaska um but we ended up getting portugal the man involved too um had just won the grammy um and then picked a handful of other artists kind of representing um all parts of alaska and indigenous artists and put that together and they have different music right now but if you do call to book a ferry reservation or public assistance you might hear some crazy alaskan music out there <laughs> that that's a great idea i hope other states pick up on that that's, that's that's just wonderful uh well annie it's it's such a joy talking to you and and hearing your music you know there's so many um so many albums that come our way and when i heard your album and you know obviously there's a theme here but each each cut for a radio person <laughs> plays so well but yet you put together something that i think will 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 teach people a part of our history that not many people know about or maybe don't want to know about um but i think you bring things to light that i think uh, gives us all pause to to think um i i i want to play one more song before we end and uh it's a song called Last Confession. And I saw a video that you did of this one, which was really, you were in a river in Alaska. I don't know where you filmed it, but it must have been a little chilly there, I, I can imagine. Was snow falling? No, I don't think it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. I recorded that one on the Yukon River during breakup is what they call it when the ice breaks. Uh-huh. Well, uh, could you ex explain the song to us? What What is Last Confession about? Uh, it's kind of about one woman's um, ascent through the ranks um, of the demi-monde. And I think if you've ever gone camping in Alaska, like my friends, there's always a point where you think you're going to die. <laughs> and you're you're questioning your mortality. And the stories were just so crazy. Uh, my good friend, Emily Anderson, who's a songwriter from Alaska, is just like, I just felt like I was gonna die every time I read one of these stories about these women. You know, they had to be so cunning to outsmart death around yeah. every single corner um, because it is still such a wild country and you have to have respect for the environment or you will die of hypothermia. Or exposure, or get turned around. Um, so it's kind of one woman's perspective, um, and it's kind of in the tradition of 
you know, St. James Infirmary or Cowboys Lament, um, the things that you want to happen to you after you die. And it was partly inspired by a newspaper article about this woman who died with $9,000 in her bank account and of just something like pneumonia. And her only wish was that her body be sent back to San Francisco and she be mm. cremated and taken to her home country. The idea that you could have everything and still perish from something so curable was just, you know, it's devastating. Well, we're going to take a list to that now. Annie, again, I want to thank you for spending some time with us today and uh, thank you for creating this, this album. And we look forward to hearing a lot more. Again, you'll be at Rockwood Music Hall Tuesday, uh, May 30th at 10 p.m. And at Jalopy this Wednesday, May 31st. And uh, Jalopy in Brooklyn, New York, you'll be there as part of Roots and Ruckus. And I hope you'll be back again soon. And uh, plans for the summer, doing festivals. Uh, what's the Alaska folk scene like during the, the summer months, which I guess is a short summer in Alaska, right? Oh, but it feels long because the sun's out so late. You know, you never want to go to bed. It's just a little <laughs> bit manic in a good way. There's right. a lot of festivals on the road system, as we'd say. In Juneau, we're kind of cut off. You have to take a ferry or fly out. But lots happening up north. I'm really excited to go to McCarthy, which is this crazy old mining town that's way out of reach. Um, but we've got so many festivals and so many funky bars and just a lot of really talented Alaskan artists who want to share with you. So let me know if you ever come to my corner of the world. We'll do it. I'm sure our listeners might be uh, making their travel plans this summer, too. And I'll be here in New York with Kat Moore, who you'll hear playing that amazing piano solo at the end of this tune. Annie Bartholomew, thank you so much for being here today. Let's listen now to Last Confession from her album, Sisters of Whitechapel. cabin when the old cold comes for me well I embrace it as an old friend will I turn around and flee put another log on the fire Before long night's sleep Praying Jesus Just another trick When I die in this cat house Dress me in my finest clothes Lay my body in dying On my grave Sick of rose Tell my mother I Married rich Tell my father I was lost at sea But to suffer The fate At those pearly gates Praying mercy 
I'm your buyer. 